nothing technically changes too much. Um, there aren't big differences. It's all the differences in being able to, yeah, I guess ride that wave emotionally. So, yeah, I'd say that that's kind of been the biggest learning the last couple of you know, two or three years, just trying to work out how to get through a whole year and still have capacity at the at the end of a, a long season, still be able to, yeah, you know, love the game, be up for every single game. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest room for improvement for um for basically any any sportsman because I mean the amount that you play is, is just so huge. Okay, welcome or welcome back to the Map Life podcast. I am Simon Williams by day, a mindset and performance coach with Motivation and Performance Partners. And the reason I started this podcast was to take a trip into the treasure chest of high performers, world-class athletes and coaches, international artists, and seriously influential community leaders to discover the strategies that they use to achieve what they've achieved, how they were able to walk the valley of shadows and overcome these changes and challenges in their lives, and how they stay on top of their own mental health and wellness in order to live their most inspired life. Now, I've made sure that each conversation will offer you insights and tools to take away and implement in your own life for greater personal and professional achievement, happiness, and fulfillment. Now, if you're a fan of this podcast, the guests, the conversations, or the takeaway strategies that we are able to offer you by delivering these conversations, hit subscribe, or if you've already done that, bounce it out to a few mates, let them know what's going on in this podcast. The more people that we can impact in a positive, influential way, the greater the opportunity they have of improving their lives for both achievement and happiness and ultimately fulfillment. All right, on today's podcast, we have a man who in January of this year was voted ICC, Test Cricketer of the Year. He was also voted by Wisden in April as the Cricketer of the Year. In our conversation today, we discuss the importance of mentors and adaptation. We discuss growth mindset. We discuss his involvement in a uh, platform called Athlete's Voice, which is supremely interesting. We tap into the six components of high performance. And Pat takes us behind closed doors from that incredible test series in England, where Australia rose back to the top of test cricket. One of the most fascinating things about Pat is he's a real thinking man's cricketer. He's the kind of guy you could sit down and talk about anything for hours. So I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Pat today. But as is the nature from recording remotely, Pat was down south on his farm. I was down south on a different farm. The audio quality isn't as fantastic as it has been. However, there are the extra added elements of nature in the background, adding a little soundscape to our uh, to our conversation. So... Sit back and enjoy the quality that comes from our man, Patrick James Cummins. Hey, just to check in with you, how, how are you handling these times, buddy? Hey, I mean, you sound like you're enjoying yourself down south, but what's the schedule like? Do you keep yourself to a schedule on your days off or are you pretty loose? Pretty loose so far. Um, I mean, as a rule, I kind of like to make myself a bit of a, a schedule anyway, just because I feel like I, um, I know, I just like a little bit of structure every now and then. So. Um, but in terms of training, everything we, we've had basically nothing. Um, bought a couple of weights here, but you know we can't go to the local gym or anything like that. So I'm um, trying to keep a little bit fit, doing a bit of running and a bit of weights. 
um, you know, each day. But other than that, just um, just doing all the things that I wish I was I could do when I'm on tour, just pottering around um, the property, doing a few DIY jobs. My basic structure with with yourself was the the six components of like high performance: physical, psychological tactical technical culture and lifestyle so i wanted to have a look at those six components with you um and see how that you're incorporating those now but also what you were doing when you were feeling like you were at your absolute best and i hope that some you know some people can take some things away from them and and implement them in their own careers and their own lives and their own professional personal lives and see if we can inspire some people for sure sounds good as we just tapped a little bit into the physical sort of stuff in terms of like, how do you keep yourself physically prime? The, the first guiding principle at the moment is to, to just have a rest. Um, you know, physically it's, it's the end of a long summer. We bowl a lot of overs, um, put our body through a lot. So just to take that time to you know, help things recover, um, you know, hopefully our bones are getting, you know, loving us not bowling for a little while and get a bit stronger. Um, so the first thing is just just trying to have a rest from bowling and cricket skills and um, you know really high level physical activity, and the second one is trying to maintain a little bit of fitness. So just ticking it over really, and it's really unstructured. Probably the same as what if we didn't play cricket would do. You know, go for the odd run, um, throw the odd weights around in the gym, but really um, quite unstructured. Knowing that once we get closer to to back playing somewhere we'll, we'll map out a um quite a rigid plan so yeah really unstructured at the moment trying to keep fit and kind of knowing that that we'll be able to get back up and running uh, with plenty of time whenever whenever that is and how do you as an athlete how do you how do you feel about that um that unstructured play that um that more time on your hands the 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 ability now to kind of pick and choose what you do on a daily basis. How, how do you handle that? And how, is that something positive for you? Or is it something that you need to, to work on? It, it's something I've certainly had to work on. The thing I'm really, I guess, looking forward to is it's going to be extended. Normally when we're home, it might only be for a few weeks. So that's our rest period, but it's also the time when you're home, when you're on tour, you, you wish you were home and you want to, go to the beach and you want to catch up with mates and catch up with family and do so many things. And it's finding that balance. So, you know, squeezing all that into the one or two weeks at your home. Um, so I kind of like that. I've yeah, I'm unstructured for a certain amount of time. I can relax a little bit, not trying to fit in too much. Um, yeah. Just, just trying to slow down, I guess is one of my goals for the next little while. Cause it, yeah, it's pretty easy for me to, to try and be too busy and, and do too many things and yeah, let, let a ball slip in somewhere else. So it sounds like you're, you know, you're going to revel in the, the unstructuredness of this, this next time period. Um, and I know a lot of people out there are really probably struggling a little bit with so much time on their hands. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on maybe how people can, can address that in their own space, in their own lives in terms of how to improve that, I guess their mindset of I've got X amount of time on my hands. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. Everyone's different. Um, and yeah, I, I was feeling a, a good place at the moment. I, I'm lucky 
lucky in some ways that I've just got so many things that interest me. Um, so I, I feel like I'm rarely ever bored. I've got a list of things in my head that I would love to do. And, you know, if, if I'm not doing those, I've got you know books that I really want to read. Yeah, things, whether it's on tour, you know, a few of us boys will laugh that we'll just sit on YouTube and just try and find things to keep us, I don't know, learn about, whether it's DIY at home or, um, you know, stupid things about how to fix your lawn. <laughs> like, there's just so many things that, that interest me that I want to learn about. So I've, I've got a pretty long list. I mean, re- reading's the obvious one, I'd say, for people. If you're not a huge reader, it's um, there's so many good books out there, whether it's fiction or non-fiction in every single category you can think of um you know i think it's impossible to be bored if you you know enjoy your reading and and i think the best way to start reading is just by picking up a simple book that you know is good and friends have recommended um it's amazing how um how how much you can learn but also how much time you can spend uh reading books if you're struggling to to fill your days i I think you tapped on something really important which is the the positive use of your time in terms of learning. It's like you mentioned a couple of things there in terms of time equals, and you, you talked about got, you had goals, you have interests, you've got lists, whether you write them down or they're in your head and learning is, is ultimately what's going to get people through this period in a positive way. And I think whether you talked about reading a physical book, whether you're reading it from, you know, one of the, the platforms, whether you're reading from the internet, whether you're, um, listening on audible, whatever it is that, that you're absorbing information. And in this time, there's so much negative, heavy information out there that people are caught up in that wheel. I think what you've really highlighted there is to, is to take a step back, center the self, like you said, and then also what can I do to upskill myself in this period of time? Whether it's, if I love DIY and get my hands dirty, let's look into that. You know, if it's, if it's space or science, you can explore those avenues. And, and the, one of the questions I was going to bring up later, which is, but it has tagged in now, which is it's, I guess it's the culture of, of the Australian cricket team. And, you know, now that you guys have got so much access with technology to things that are going to pass the time as JL spoken about any cultural differences that have happened over the last 15 to 20 years, because, and I just want to preface it with, because when I was in my era, when I was growing up, the guys you aspired to be were, you know, Steve Wars and the those guys that were, you know, hard as nails. And as you move through, I think your generation is probably the generation after mine that has the ability to absorb technology and use technology for good or bad. So I, I guess getting to the question of, of the culture of the team and has anything shifted? And if it is, what was that or what is that? Yeah, I mean, obviously can't speak for, for the players before my career, but hearing a lot of their stories, it was, an Ashes tour was five or six months long. You, to call back home, it was really expensive. You had to call on the landline and it's a couple of quid a minute. So a lot of the boys would be calling their wives you know, a couple of times a week to check in. Um, and... In between that, it was. It seems like a lot of time was spent down in the hotel bar, or playing cards, or um, you know, filling in their time by just filling in their time, really doing whatever they could. Um, you know, spending a lot of team time together. But yeah, lots of uh, lots of drinking around the bar. You can kind of understand now with such a long tour. I mean, Jay was a big reader and learner. He, he's 
one of his key guess, yeah, tenants that he tries to put through to us is just self-improvement, always growing, learning. So th- that, especially from the cricket sense, um, is a big part for him. Everyone, you know, I guess, does it in different ways. I mean, the biggest thing nowadays with technology that helps is just the ability to, to FaceTime back home. Um, feeling like you're you're really involved with back home when we might be away for a few months in South Africa or India or England. Um, And and for a lot of the fathers in the team to feel like they're not missing out on their kids growing up um, makes it a a lot easier now, I think, than perhaps it would have been. Um, But I I mean, just the the amount of information is available. As I said, I I can't get bored because you've got (laughs) YouTube, you've got a Kindle ebook, you've got Netflix, you got everything possible to keep you entertained and find something that you're going to enjoy. So most of the boys take advantage of of those kind of things, um, and yeah, use it as a as a way to unwind as much as anything else. So, what are the things that you're finding that you want to upskill yourself with in your downtime, whether it's on tour or because we talked about in here where you're doing it, you know, lifting bales of hay and looking after <laughs> looking after the farm, but when you're on tour, is there anything specifically that's lighting you up um, in terms of learning? There's there's so many great resources that we have on tour. Um, we have, you know, team psychologists. We have really experienced coaches, um, captains. So I've really enjoyed just trying to get a bit more hands-on in, I guess, just picking their brains a bit more the last couple of years about, yeah, what drives them, what what makes, you know, what their what are their values? How do they try and live their lives? What are they seeing? Just trying to get as many different perspectives as possible. But I mean, the big one for me is yeah, I always try and read a book, um, have something interesting on a topic that, it, that kind of interests me. And um, normally that, that's what I do on tour, you know, whether it's on the team bus or on a day off, go and sit in the park in London or something like that. Just um, I always find that a pretty interesting way to, to keep the mind ticking over. And is that that sense of self, that that self-awareness and that place of self when you go into the park, are you usually doing that with, with a pal or are you doing it on your own? Or Yeah, normally just by myself. Um, if Becky's in town, we might go and sit in the park or um, you know, sit by the pool or something. But, yeah, I mean, I guess the hard thing to kind of grasp is we're literally spending uh, 15 hours a day as a group of boys together, whether, you know, at the field, on the team bus, at the airport, on a plane, team meeting in the team room. Um, so we're, we're constantly um, surrounded by the boys. So, yeah, just stepping away from that and having um, you know, an hour or two to yourself is always nice. Completely. And I was only talking a little while ago about um, the hierarchy of happiness or the fountain of happiness, which begins at the top, which is you, and then it's your partner, and then it's your your kids, and then it's your friends and family. At the bottom is your community. And without filling the top, it doesn't flow over to the next ones down the line. Um, now, whether and when your partner's not within the space in terms of your partners would be your teammates. So it's like if you aren't full from a self point of view, it's hard to then step up into the team space and give as much as you give. I mean, your reputation amongst the boys is is second to none. I mean, in terms of like um, how much they, they seem to love having you in the squad and, and love your leadership. It's, it's um, as I said, it's fantastic to really, it's inspiring. So to, to be able to know your, or to be aware of yourself, I think the things that refuel you on a, on a self basis 
allows you to step into that back into that space where you're with your partners in that space and give what you can give so that you can become the man you want to become. Yeah. Oh, cheers mate. But yeah, for sure. And you've only got so much capacity and a big word that always comes back to me is just balance, balancing everything. So if it's spending heaps of time with the boys, try and maybe, you know, just have a bit more quiet time or, you know, vice versa. If you're locked in your room too much, you've got to get out there and, yeah, just try and contribute, tick all those different levels of, of the hierarchy of happiness, as you said. Unreal, man. And have you found that as you've stepped up into your, now your mid-20s, your desire to learn from mentors, it's come to the forefront. What's the reason for that, do you think? What, where, where has that come from? There's a few reasons, I'd say. Initially, you know, for the first probably six or seven years of my, my career, I was always the youngest player in the side. And now it's, I've turned into, you know, not, not the oldest, not the youngest, somewhere in the middle there, but, but I've, I think this is my 10th year now of being around international cricket. So I feel like I'm in that kind of middle stage of the career um, where you know, I probably spent my first half of the career just soaking up absolutely everything and um, taking everything I heard from the older guys as gospel and, um, just again trying to trying to absolutely learn and, and be part of it now it's it's exactly that just just probably trying to be a bit more um i guess critical critical in terms of yeah crit- critiquing other people's thoughts and, and trying to form my own opinion on on different things um and just yeah i guess like anyone else trying to um you know grow up becoming an adult just trying to work out what you stand for what what you agree with, what you don't agree with, what you, um, areas of weaknesses, areas of strength, just, just trying to learn all that. Yes. So I've, I've enjoyed that part of it. And cricket's great in that year. You spend so much time around people who have in different stages of their careers and, and different, different experiences. And you've got a whole range of different experts right at your fingertips. So it's, yeah, love being part of that kind of community. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a a beautiful thing that um that we've been lucky enough to enough to grow up with. Um, and do you feel at the moment your inquiry has become more about the self than it has about the craft, or is it equal? We on a percentage. Where do you where would you find that? Starting out, de- definitely craft. Um, trying to yeah pick the brains of a Mitchell Johnson, how he tries to think about it, how he gets through a day of test cricket um speaking to these yeah legends of the games and i think more more than i've played uh, i mean those first four or five years i was spending a couple of months a year away on tour um certainly the majority of my time was either with new to Wales or you know rehabbing from an injury whereas the past three years i'd say the majority of my life's been spent on tour so the the thing that uh, I'd heard a lot of past players and coaches mention, which I hadn't really truly appreciated till the last few years, is the biggest difference in in what sets you know, your form, your um, basically how good you're going. It, it's all between the years. You know your form slumps. You're riding the wave of, of a twelve month calendar of cricket. Nothing technically changes too much. Um, there aren't big differences. It's all the differences in being able to, yeah, I guess ride that wave emotionally. So, 
yeah, I'd say that that's kind of been the biggest learning the last couple of you know, the two or three years, just trying to work out how to get through a whole year and still have capacity at the at the end of a, a long season, still be able to yeah you know, love the game, be up for every single game. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the biggest room for improvement for um for basically any any sportsman because I mean the amount that you play is is just so huge. Yeah, and you you mentioned or you tapped into the word adaptability. I think. Um, being able to adapt <clears throat> across a calendar year, uh, the tech physically the, and technically it, it may stay the same. Tactically, obviously, it's game to game. But the adaptability, which is the psychological sense or the psychological part that we mentioned at the start, is there? What are the things that you do, not necessarily just on tour, but uh, to keep your mind fresh, to keep your mind clear? Are there, are there, you know, the meditative stuff or is there, do you have a routine or do you have something, uh, things that you really like to incorporate? Yeah, I just touched on the adaptability. I think in, in cricket, it's the biggest difference between international cricket and, and domestic cricket. In domestic block of T20 cricket, in international cricket, you might be playing a test match at the SCG and then three days later, you're playing a one-dayer in India and then, a couple of weeks later, you're playing T20s over in South Africa, and it's just constantly, um, you, you just have to adapt um, and find your ways. But on on the way to, to keeping fresh, the, the biggest thing for me, again, it comes back to balance, is we spend so much time until we're talking about the game, you know, the training, playing. So you know, I think I've, I've improved in this, is just having that ability to just to switch off completely when when I don't need to be switched on. So it might be as soon as we're back on the bus from training, try and think, think of something else, go and talk to one of the boys about something other than cricket or um, go and uh, go for lunch with a couple of boys. And, and again, don't talk about cricket, read a book, call home, do something completely away from cricket because it just all adds up. And it's really easy when you've got nothing else to do to, to talk about the game the next day and overthink it. Um, whereas, yeah, I just find it's it's a waste of energy a lot of the time and I, I prefer kind of saving that energy for, for when I need it. Now, for this podcast, I've handpicked some brands with game-changing products that you can get your hands on to take your performance to the next level. Hybration Organics are an independent Aussie company. They are inspiring a community with their ethos and products. They are awesome. All ethically sourced chaga, Lion's Mane, Cordyceps, Cacao, and Maca from sustainable organic micro farms, meaning small batch, which also means their quality is unbeatable. Now, if you don't know the health benefits of some of these things, let me inform you right now. It's unbelievable. Chaga, the immune system support, it fights inflammation, slows down the aging process. Lion's Mane, nerve repair in the brain can reduce mild anxiety and depressive symptoms, cordyceps can boost exercise performance, anti-aging, heart health, and maca, increased libido, energy, endurance, mood, helps fight free radicals, and all these shrooms are anti-cancer. Now personally, I use their products on the regular. They're three pillars mushroom blend. I always put in my smoothies and my coffee, and I love the Incan Warrior with its blend of potent cordyceps and Peruvian maca. <clears throat> And their Focus Flow Blend is as really as good as it gets as it sharpens the mind and opens the heart, which is great when you're coaching people to become more and achieve more with their lives. 
Now, to get your hands on some of these epic goodies, the legends over at Hybration Organics have given you, the MapLife family, a whopping 25% off your order. So head on over to the Hybration Organics website. That's H-I-G-H-B-R-A-T-I-O-N, Organics. That's H-I-G-H-B-R-A-T-I-O-N, Organics.com.au. And use the code MAPLIFE25, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E-25 at checkout. And then once you do that, jump on socials. Let me know of how that's impacted your life, how it's impacted your physiology. And let's let the good times keep on rolling. Uh, I think intentionality is, is, is a way that we can explain that. It sounds like you, whenever you step into something that your, your mind is able to set that intention pretty quickly. So team bus, switching off, reading a book, stepping into training, shoes go on. The intention is to give a hundred percent here and do exactly what I need to do. And then the intention. So when you're at home now, the intention is to step back, slow down. Um, having that intention allows you, which is ultimately a way to set a goal, to set a vision for yourself. And then once you've done that, you can really step into that and be a lot clearer in your direction, which means that it, it for me, it seems like you're, you're a guy that sets goals and achieves the majority of those goals because you're practicing intentionality. You know, you're adaptable, you're flexible. Um, you're always learning from other people in terms of the self or the craft. But that intentionality for me is something that, um, that is standing out from this conversation that in the reason why you've scaled to the heights that you've scaled and, but not on just on the craft, but on, as I said, in your reputation amongst other people for being that kind of person or that kind of bowler or, or that kind of team guy. I think that intentionality is something that people can really take away from and, and, and implement in their own lives to, to then achieve the things they want to achieve. Yeah, I mean, potentially, I, I know in cricket, that's what works for me. And it was probably different when I was only spending, as I said, a month or two a year or the odd tour um, on, the, you know, on the road away from home. Now, being on the road is basically our life. For, for the coaches and you know, the, the core players of the Aussie team, you, you're going to play over 100 days of cricket in a year. You're going to be on tour for 300 days of the year. So... I guess the goal is to, to be really consistent and play all those games and, and play really well for those those games. So not getting too caught up in, in each game, um, knowing that it's it's a bit more of a marathon rather than a sprint and, and trying to, yeah, be be really intentional in, in when you've got to play and when you've got to switch on. But but also I think it's you've got to be intentional in how you use your energy and, um, yeah, finding that balance. Yeah, that's awesome. Um I'm just giving a little segue. When I talk, I, whenever I run a session or whenever I run a conversation, I always pen stuff down just so I can, I can map out where I'm going, hence why I do what I do. But then obviously so that I can use that later on for the description. So just when I look down and doing my pad stuff, I hope you don't think he's like, he's not interested. <laughs> Doodling something. <laughs> yeah. Just drawing like hats and hats and cats. And um, Mate, I, I must. Uh, I must admit, I, I I had the pleasure of never having to face you in the nets, um, which was, it's interesting. Um, what did I just miss you by a year or two? Yeah, it wasn't much, not much at all. Um, and then, mate, the same thing happened when I was at the AS with Payne and and the, and the boys. That Sean Tate was in the same same um, group of boys, so, but we he was injured the entire time, so we never had to face a ball of this. Oh, perfect. 
I, yeah, again, in winter wickets in, uh, in South Oz. Um, we were all oh. pretty happy about that. Um, <laughs> and then I remember one time um, when one of the grade seasons, when we, you know, we were doing really well, we were playing Mossman, and I was meant to face uh, Shoab and Brett Lee in the same game, bowling from either end. Because um, Shoab yeah, was playing a few fun. games with Binger. But um, the night before we got there, um, Binger... Was, I think he got called up to play a state game or something and then Shoaib jumped on a plane and went home. So neither of them bowled. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> but in, but in you hadn't slept a week. Yeah, yeah, I was so tired. But, I, but in, in saying that, I was so excited to, to get out there and that's what I loved about opening the batting was to, to set myself and challenge myself against the best that I could find. Whether it was the bowling machine up at 10-10 and just going for it or whether it was, as I said, you know, just being alluring and, and excited about the fact of facing those guys in the, in the one thing, like most people have been shitting themselves, but I mean, they, people were calling me crazy. What are you doing, mate? Um, and, but I remember that, that, that joy and that, that, in that challenge. And I wonder, and because the, the question I wanted to get to was what is it about fast bowling that you love? What is it about bowling that you just absolutely love? Yeah. I mean, you make a really good point there. I'd say fast bowling is the same. It kind of goes in hand to hand. Why I love test cricket is, I think I've said this before, a batter can be on, and he can have Virat Kohli on 120, not out, absolutely smoking them. Yet I can still run in and bowl, you know, a fast bouncer. And, I, just for that little second, I feel like I can wrestle back a little bit of control in, in what I'm trying to do. And I'm, I'm not sure there's, you know, if you've got a really big spinning wicket, maybe a spinner could do that. But I, I think that's probably the only, I guess, aspect of cricket, a fast bowler, no matter what's happening in the game, as long as you bowl really good fast bouncer or, um, you know, whatever it is, fast Yorker for Mitchell Stark, you feel like, if I execute this well, I'm totally in control. Um, so I love that aspect. And I, I love that in something like test cricket, it's normally the better player wins over, over the course of a match because as a, as, you know, as a batter, you, you can get out first ball, you can get a good ball. As a bowler, you can, even if someone's having a, a day out as a batter, you can still try and challenge them for two, three, four spells and try and just get into that contest that way and, and you're in there for the whole day. Yeah, so, I mean, there's lots of parts about fast bowling that I don't like. <laughs> the fact that it really hurts and you've got to run in all day is also another reason. Um, as much as you know, some days you enjoy getting part of the contest all day and then other days you finish up and you're like, geez, that was a hard day. But um, I think for the most, most times you bowl, the effort that you put into it, you can see some kind of results coming out of it. And that's one of the things that, you know, the reputation uh, that you have amongst the boys is, is that, is that you just keep going. And if something needs to happen, they, you know, they throw the ball to Pat or if they, if someone needs a rev up or if they look to you for inspiration and motivation, which is, is an incredible responsibility, but also it's, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of and, and be at the, at the forefront of this or the, the tip of the arrow. So where do you, where did that come from for you? Where did that, that all heart come from, from, for Pat? 
Uh, um, I mean, the, the first thing is, uh, as a fast bowler, that's our job. You know, we're not taking wickets and we've got to bowl all day. Well, that's what we've just got to do. So you just got to roll up your sleeve and do it. But um, no, I think it might go back to being the youngest brother of, of three brothers, um, two older brothers. So, you know, as soon as I could walk in the backyard, I was basically playing with them, um, you know, every afternoon. And they were... Tim's two years older, Matt's six years older than me, and trying to match them and just having a little brother syndrome of thinking, well, there's no reason why I should lose and I'm going to try extra hard to show them, um, you know, what I've got. And, yeah, just always always being competitive, um, whether it was, yeah, cricket or would kick a footy and or would you know, play soccer or tennis or touch footy or whatever it was, we were always super competitive amongst the three of us. and. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that every time I, I cross the line, I, I kind of have held on to that. Yeah, they say that the third, the third oldest um, or the youngest of three is the loudest, is because the, they've got to make make the most noise to to get the most the, the attention that they want. Um, but on the other side of that, also, is that sometimes you can see that the third believes that they can't match for one and two, so that they they give up, but you know, you've, you went the other way and, and dug the heels in and said, you know what, I'm going to aspire to that. Were, were the, were your brothers, were they inclusive? Did they, or were they, were they the, the kind of brothers that would just pick on the younger bloke? No, certainly inclusive. Um, it, you know, we had a, a decent sized backyard, so the, it was really good quality backyard cricket as well, but no, it's just, you know, us three spent so much time together. As I said, everything was a competition whether it was um, putting golf balls in the hallway or um, who could clear the table the quickest if we had to clear the table or just everything was competition in a game um, between the three of us. And, and there was certainly no handicaps because I was younger. I mean, I know family is really important to you and I know you've got a beautiful family. So it's, it's a, um, yeah, lovely homage that I think that, uh, that I've come to realize just then and, 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 that I can also inform other people to try and cultivate on their own as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're such a product of people that you spend time with and, and they're close around you. And for 20 years of my life, I was you know, at home spending my whole life with my brothers and sisters and mum and dad. So um, obviously, yeah, they, they're going to have a huge impact um, on the way yeah, I've grown up and hopefully more positive things than negative. Mate, I wanted to quickly tap into um, the work you're doing with Athletes Voice. I guess if you can explain it from your side of things um, for the for the audience in terms of you know what it is, what the ethos is, what the values are, and um, and then we can have a quick chat about it. Yeah, Athletes Voice, um, formerly Players Voice, was something I signed up to. I think it's probably two and a half, almost three years ago now. But the idea was there's so much um, I guess it's such a cluttered world of news at the moment you know especially in sport you, you really can't control the the message or the the way the you know an athlete can sit in a press conference can say their words the feeling is a lot of the time the journalists already have their article written before your quotes are even kind of inserted into yeah. that that story yeah. and athletes voice is just a way to I guess champion some stories from athletes that, that maybe aren't as newsworthy as 
um, you know, a big newspaper or, or media company might think. Um, but also for for us athletes to tell stories and, and just have absolute complete control on what we're trying to get out there. I, you know, there's so many times me or any other player, we walk into a press conference and, and we've, we're on guard. We've got to be on guard because one little slip up might mean an article being skewed totally different. Um, kind of what what your what your intention is so just yeah just being able to write some articles and um, be really open and a bit more honest than perhaps you you might be um yeah just speaking to to a journalist and um i think the amount of different stories that have been told through there quite beautiful there's there's lots of stories from athletes that you just wouldn't have heard of or, or know their backstory and just gives more context so the next time you see a, a run out into the field you're you're just cheering that a little bit harder for them Totally, mate. It's um, it does open a little window or a door into the human, from what I've uh, what I've enjoyed reading. Um, it does humanise the hero, for for young people, for kids as well, for their champions. Um, and the topics that I that you curate on there, as I said, are fantastic. It really does it, it lets you in a little bit into the world that's going on psychologically, um, and how the external is impacting the internal. And for, I mean, again, talking with Ed, you see the guy step across the line. You see the guy bowl the ball, hit the 200, whatever it is. You don't see the the guy in the change room throwing up or jittery or all the stuff that goes on behind closed doors. And I think what uh, Athlete's Voice does is it just lets the audience in into an authentic, genuine, uh, well-written place within that psychology which is is a behind the closed doors look of the individual i really hope that you're getting a lot out of it personally do you do you enjoy writing those articles in terms of like being able to uh, absolve some stuff within you or to get clarity on some things yeah i do when when there's a story to be told for sure um and i think learning actually what's what's new well what is a story and what isn't um I think what's highlighted that is I'm not sure if you've seen the um, recent documentary, The Test, um, on Amazon. On Amazon. Um, yeah, um, that we've just released. But basically, it's yeah behind the scenes footage of you know, the last 18 months. Um, you know, inside the dressing room, and there's so many things that I think I just don't even take notice of because it happens a hundred times a day. But as soon as a fan sees that or hears it, the amount of joy or the mountain they come straight up and go oh we had no idea you had that many meetings or geez you work you trained that hard or that better when he was going through those issues worked that hard to try and get it all we didn't know it was eating away at him that much and being inside i guess the bubble you just think oh well that's that's what happens every day but yeah seeing the human side of things yeah it's really important and it, it it's good for us well, i've really enjoyed hearing i guess the reviews and people reading say the stories on athletes voice or, or watching the the um the documentary and, and yeah saying these exact same things well oh, we didn't know we only see you when you walk out of the changer and onto the field we don't see everything else that comes with it um, so it's yeah it's it's nice hopefully yeah it's got plenty more of those stories to tell um and people keep enjoying them in terms of the test in the, the series on amazon did you and and from watching it yourself is there anything that you took away in regards to your opinions, thoughts, beliefs on 
teammates, uh, coaches? Is there things in that, that maybe alerted you to something or highlighted something to you? There's lots of memories that I forgot about. Um, even when I was in the room and uh, things happened, <laughs> I totally forgot about it until they you know, showed them back in the documentary. Realising how intense every single moment of a World Cup or an Ashes series is. At the time, you go through it and it does feel intense, um, you know, during the day's play. And even at night, it's got a different feeling to it. It's harder to switch off from. But, but watching it back, it's sustained. It's all five days of all five tests is basically, you can see the coaches and the players riding every single ball, every single thing that happens. Because at the end of the Ashes series, I was exhausted. I was, I was spent. I'd put everything into it. But seeing it back, I, I kind of I think, oh, it's okay actually to be exhausted because mm. we did put a lot into that. Um, that's probably, yeah, one little thing that kind of stood out to me. That's beautiful. I think that affirmation of all the hard work and that you're doing the right thing and you're doing a good thing. Um, even if it's channeling all that energy that you have and that heart that we talked about before into, into a sport, um, that it is what you're meant to be doing. It, it, to me, it seems like when you play that you really feel like you've tapped into your purpose. Um, it, would that be the case? Oh, I think it encompasses you know, a lot of that. It gets us spend a lot of time having really great relationships. You know, I've got some of my best mates in the team and, um, I'm sure I'll be lifelong friends with them. And, um, so just you know, looking after each other that way. Um, the learning piece, you know, what better way to, you know, every single time you play or train, there's always something that you just want to get a little bit better on or just perfect something. Or you've seen one of the other guys bowl a certain ball that you can't bowl and just trying to pick their brain on how to get better. So I love that aspect. And trying to be open, honest, all those things. It's just a beautiful um, place to, to try and live your values every single day. That's super powerful. I mean, that curiosity that I, I think is what's starting to really shine through as well in that uh, you're, you're able to bring that curiosity to almost childlike curiosity into, uh, into this, this adult life. In terms of your mental health, are there certain things that you like to, to put into place when you're at home? or when you're away to make sure that you've got that. We talked before a little bit about getting away from the team and having some self time. Uh, is there more that you wanted to add on to that or, or is, cause we did um, sort of segue a little bit from there. So. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the big thing for me is, yeah, I guess always checking in with myself. Um, and just there's, t- there's times where I feel like I need more stimulation and more purpose. And there's other times where I feel like I'm, you know, I'm running at 100% capacity and I just need to read a novel or watch Netflix or just totally chill out. So just always trying to check myself um, on, I guess, that and trying to find that balance. But I've been lucky and we've had so much cricket the, the last kind of three or four years. The, the next tour is only ever a week or two away that in terms of keeping busy and having purpose has been, um, you know, pretty easy i guess these next six months that's going to be the challenge to try and um yeah feeling cricket somehow but i mean there's so many hobbies and different things that, that i enjoy doing and, and i'm really excited to get stuck into if you could offer some some advice to whoever was listening out there in terms of your beliefs on the elements of success or the elements of of growth 
uh, on a personal and professional level, are there any things that you'd like people to, to take away from this in terms of uh, implementation, understanding that everyone is an individual? I mean, I mean, a big one that I guess keeps, I keep coming back to is learning, um, trying to get better. Yeah. Whether it's skill wise and cricket, but, but also just yeah, growing. Um, yeah. Always trying to perfect yourself a little bit. I, I think um, I read a quote, I actually can't remember the quote. I'm going to stuff it up. But it was something along the lines of, uh, I think it was Ray Dalio, actually. And it was something along the lines of, if you look back at yourself a year ago and don't cringe, you're not developing fast enough. It was something along those lines. And I think that's that's really true. You, you just want to always be um, developing, trying to perfect things, um, staying true to what you believe and your values, but, but just trying to, um, I guess, get a little bit better at, at each thing. And, Certainly in a, in a cricketing sense, the best way to learn is you, you've got to be open-minded. You've got to be really vulnerable in, in how you're tracking and just be, be ready to be proven wrong um, and, and be, being okay with that. Um, so, yeah, lots of self-improvement at, at all times, whether it's yeah, cricket or outside of cricket. And again, you tapped onto something really important, which is growth mindset. You know, that open mind, growth mindset. So many people out there, especially, you know, uh, these days with a lot of the social media stuff have, have developed a fixed mindset. Their beliefs are, are very rigid. Ed talked yesterday about having, uh, you know, the flexibility of the mind, but growth mindset as well. And you also tapped into something which, which I believe is really important, which is that alignment from the heart, the soul and the mind. When we feel like we're aligned, we're in that flow state. I think when you feel those moments, your values your deep-seated values, which I want to tap into quickly now, they come to the forefront and they, you actually can start embodying those so much more easier. Sorry, excuse me. So your values themselves, um, do you, have you had those written down? Do you have those written down? Are they at the forefront of your mind? Yeah, I, I mean, nothing, nothing set in stone. Um, yeah, the things I, I try and think about quite a bit and I doodle them down every now and then on a piece of paper or on my phone or on, um, on my laptop if I have any thoughts, but yeah, there's probably three or four things that really come to mind. Um, you know, what one's having really good relationships, whether it's a partner, Becky or family, close friends, working relationships, just, you know, that's just such a huge part of life. You know, having a really good community around you. Um, if you, if you have that, it, I think it, it makes a lot of other things seem pretty insignificant. Um, it's a lot easier to, to, to shrug off a bad game or um, shrug off some some bad news or anything um, a lot easier if you've got all those things set in place. So, so that's a big one. And, and obviously it takes you know, work. It's, you've got to put time into it. Um, but then, you know, other things are, I'd hope that I'm quite open and honest and um, don't feel like I'm hiding anything and I'm, I'm quite consistent in that. Um, um, I'm balanced and, you know, being balanced hopefully means that I'm yeah, quite consistent as well. And you know, what you see, oh, you know, it doesn't change too much day to day, whether I'm tired or uh, woken up on the wrong side of the bed or you know, something good or bad's happened. I, I'd like to maintain some consistency and, and the other ones, you know, learning, just trying to always push myself and others to, to try and, um, you know, be, uh, be a bit better. And, and of course, just trying to be, quite unwavering with, with all those four things just um you know being really strong and firm in them yeah and in terms of values they are super grounded values um and and, and again it, it comes to the forefront within within you as a character and you as a human being um so 
I mean, from the outside looking in to, and letting you know that you definitely embody those values. And I think pride is, is, a, is a very positive emotion. So if, I hope that you, you are proud of yourself for setting those up and for, for embodying those things. I mean, you talked about balance before and balance and alignment, I sort of see those as the same thing. You've talked much about honesty. So honesty from the mind, truth from the heart, vulnerability from the soul. So when you feel like that those three things are, are in alignment or balanced, that's when you feel like you are Pat at his best and Pat with growth mindset and Pat looking to, to move forward and to be better, even if it's that 1% better than yesterday. And I think that alignment that you're talking about is something that everybody out there can, can aspire to. But you've talked about it so gracefully in, in the ways that, that the ability to look inward and to go inward and, and take a look and, and be, um, be vulnerable enough to, to meet and greet yourself there with a kind, compassionate, gentle, unwavering heart. Yeah, no, I feel if you're rock solid in them, there's not much that really can, can muck you around too much. Um, you know, a simple game of cricket seems pretty unimportant if all those things are really strong and in place. And you, know, you hope when you step over the line, your competitiveness and your professional pride all takes over and, you still want to be, um, you know, the best you can. But at the end of the day, it's it's not super important how it ends up. Yeah, and, and that, that beautiful balance alignment leads you to that purpose. That's what connects you to what that is. And I, I think whatever you put your whatever you put your mind, body, and soul into, I think you would still be doing it as intentionally as we mentioned before. Whether it's relationships or whether it's growth or learning or professional, either way, I think... I think that unwavering ability for you to, to stay focused on those values, having clear values is something that for me is coming out of, of this conversation that is, is of uber importance for people to take away. So thanks for shining that light for people, mate. Okay, if you, like me, froth on board sports, you must get yourself a board racks, board rack. Whether it's snow, surf, skate, sup, whatever you like to ride sideways, if it's a board, board racks as a rack for it. They even custom fit racks to your house, your garage, your room, whatever. And I'm pretty sure Matt even made a board racks guitar rack for some famous muso. So he is very accustomed to making custom board racks. Now, I had Matt fit a uh, flat racks in my garage and it cleaned everything up off the floor. It kept my boards safe and made, them, uh, made the room look superb. looked epic. Now, and I bought a freestanding rack for a mate and he had it in the same room as his newborn baby. So all his babies in one room. Now, handmade Aussie timber ships worldwide. Board racks, board racks are handing down the best racks on the market. So if you want to get your hands on one of these bad boys, just head on over to www.boardracks. That's B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X.com.au. And if you put in the code MAPLIFE at checkout, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, Matty will sort you with 10% off and he'll get that out to you ASAP. So that again is www.boardracks, B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X.com.au. Just to finish up, buddy, I've got, um, got some questions here that uh, I like to sort of fire out um, pretty quickly, just five quick ones. So they are um, question one. Uh, if you could have anyone over to dinner, who would it be and why? Hmm. I actually wrote this down somewhere in my phone notes somewhere because i got asked it and i was hopeless um i mean again anyone interesting i'd like um 
I like science. So I, I find science is fascinating. Someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who just knows everything. I find someone like him would be a fascinating dinner guest. <laughs> Ricky Gervais, you know, some of the same smart dude, funny dude. Um, someone along those lines. Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> having a, having a, a nice glass of red with Ricky Gervais would be a, an interesting evening, I'll tell you. Yeah, you, you want a couple of bottles, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, mate. Um, one of your favourite films and why? My favourite probably all time is Happy Gilmore. And the reasons are pretty silly in that we used to watch it every Christmas day for some reason. It was like you could not get a less Christmassy kind of movie than Happy Gilmore, but it was our ritual every Christmas night. We'd watch it for about 10 or 15 years, um, family around it. Um, yeah, I, I love that movie. Well, yeah, it's, and it sounds like that you've, you've, attached, you've attached one of your core values, which is relationships to it. So that's, that's important. Number, number three, name yeah. one of the greatest days of your life. Yeah, I've, I've got two that come, come to mind just in recent memory because my memory's hopeless. So I'm going to stick to the last uh, six months or so. Uh, one was getting engaged. Um, I loved that I knew it was going to happen all day. And um, I, was, I was so excited because Becky had absolutely no idea. So it was more exciting than knowing that what was, I guess, going to happen that afternoon. And then, yeah, got engaged and, and just, yeah, the joy us two had it, but then also calling all our close friends and family and sharing news and seeing their happiness for us um, was a pretty awesome day or two. Um, but the other one that comes to mind recently was first test match of the last Ashes series at Edgebass. And um, things were relatively tight day five. We, we were in a really good position, but had to take 10 wickets day, day five. and. We did that. We won um, first game of the series, Edgebaston, you know, really tough venue for us Aussies. Hadn't won there in a while, and just the elation from the you know, from the teammates, from the coaches in the change room after winning that, and then all the families came in. I just remember mum and dad and uh, my brother Tim walking to the change room um, at the end of that that fifth day, and they were just so happy. And I remember mum calling me the next day and said, I reckon that's the happiest I've ever seen you. So that's, that's a pretty special memory um, as well. Man, both of those. I mean, that was the cauldron, you know, first test, edge of Baston. I mean, it doesn't get much harder in test cricket, does it? No, exactly. And the, the crowd were, were quite funny in their abuse. They were just relentless. For five days, just grown men in dress-ups <laughs> hurling <laughs> abuse at us. So um, it was... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the cauldron of test cricket. And, um, and again, I've said this off, off, um, off microphone a lot of times, but congratulations again uh, on the engagement, mate. It's, it's a special feeling. Um, and again, I myself had it um, not long ago as well. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's that next level. I think it's just something that's abs- it's glorious is the word I think I liked it too. Yeah, I, and I, I never thought I'd get that excited about it. But the process of, you know, buying a ring and thinking about how you're going to do it was, um, yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, exactly. Very special. And when you talked about that, you, um, man, on the camera, you you could just see yourself sort of step up a little bit, light up, the chest puffed out a little bit. (laughs) 
So when, when you talk about that day, because I'm just going to try and get, get a little bit, get deeper on it. When you talked about the engagement, where did you feel that? The mind, the heart, or down a little bit deeper in, in, the, in the tummy and the soul? Uh, probably, probably the heart. Um, yeah, it's, I'd say for, for most of the time, I'm fairly reserved. Um, and I remember Becky saying it afterwards, she's like, that's the most excited I've ever seen you get about anything to do with like us or a relationship. So amazing. And as you said, that's, that's where the truth lays. So, you know, you've made the exact right decision when you feel that kind of a decision in the heart space. And then when you yeah. think about the cauldron, you, you know, you, you guys need 10 weeks in the last day, you get it. Everyone's there. Where did you feel that? The mind, the heart or, or down a bit deeper? Probably all of it. I mean, you know, the heart of uh, seeing all the people around you really close, you know, mum and dad, brothers, but also you know, teammates and coaches, just the pure joy in everyone's, um, everyone's faces. That was you know, what I was, yeah, absolutely loved. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, your head, you're happy because you've been thinking about this moment for a long time. What's going to happen if you win? What's going to happen if you lose? You know, a million, two million Aussies back home watching. So it probably encompassed all those things. You know, again, when you looked at that and you spoke about that again on camera, you could see that you were searching in that deep space. And I think that it was almost like a reflection or a mirror of the self. And that's why it was really important to you because you, you put all of yourself out there and it was reflected back to you. And that's kind of what that deep vulnerable space is. It's, it's the self space. And I think that's where you've felt from the bottom to the top, that alignment there. And it's, and as soon as you mentioned the family and the heart just lit up, I mean, it's, a, it's a yeah. unreal, unreal yeah. to be able to, um, to be able to see that within you just here, even, you know, in some time ahead. It's, it's, it's really cool. Um, question four, buddy. What, so what rolls up your blood? What gets you a bit annoyed or gets you angry? There's a few things. I hate wasting time. Um, which I've got to work on. And then the other one is, which annoys me, and it's probably annoys me more and more, <laughs> is just, just whinging. When I hear someone whinging and not taking control of what they're trying to do, um, that's, that's what annoys me. Because in my head, I think you're totally in control of, yeah, I guess getting riled up about something that either they can control but haven't put in the effort to control or letting something that they can't control really, really affect them. Um, I don't know why that makes me angry so much, but um, just just uh, people looking for other other people to blame for things that they could totally take control of, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. It's, it's almost like problem-based thinking rather than solution-based thinking. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And now, mate, the last one, what lights you on fire gets you excited? It's the the games that really matter where you've got, you know, the whole world's watching. You've got a full stadium. Your team really wants you to, to step up and do well. I mean, that's that's what, as a professional athlete, I, I hope most people are like that. Um, th th that's what you want to be. You, you want all your teammates to be like that. And that that's absolutely what lights me up as a cricketer. I want to... Um, be in that high pressure situation and um, yeah, come out of the other side of it, hopefully successful, but if not knowing at least I, I gave it a good crack. So in a cricketing sense, that, that certainly lights me up. Um, outside of cricket, I, I, I think just yeah, spending good time with, with people 
a couple of beers in the afternoon with some close mates just talking absolute smack about anything um you know how good so absolutely love that yeah you mentioned the michael jordan moments which um you know they putting your hand up for the pressure situation i don't think everybody's like that but i as you said i think that there's i think everybody can aspire to to, to thinking that way and i think for any young athlete out there or any any young seemingly um on their semi-professional on their way to being a professional is that that's the kind of mindset you want is that when the game's on the line, you want to be the person with their hand up and being thrown the ball. Um, that's the kind of person from the self and the craft, I think. And I think when you, when you embody that, like, like you just said, you do, I think the spoils follow. Yeah. And the biggest thing that most people think about in those moments is what happens if it doesn't go right. And that paralyzes a lot of people. And it's, it's really obvious why. You know, you know, it's high-pressure situation. It's going to be talked about. It's going to be written about. Um, it might be a grand final and you might never get that shot ever. But I think if you take away the, that persona, and you know, as a person, you're okay and you've really got good relationships. You've got everything outside of cricket or sport or that job in a, in a really good place. You know that if it doesn't come off in that pressure moment, you're going to be okay. It's pretty liberating. and it's just there's only upside in those pressure moments mate that a huge way to finish it's unreal to be able to <laughs> say align with your values so that when the pressure and that that pinnacle you know you're about to reach that last point on the climb of the mountain and you've got to put that last push and you're the man to do it to be able to rely on on that awareness of self um in those moments is is the you know the difference between looking forward to something and not or running towards a goal rather than running from one and being a fear uh, afraid of it, it not going right. So it, you just rounded everything off perfectly, mate. <laughs> ah, glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> mate, love it to chat to you, pal. You too, mate. We should do it again soon. If you'd like to follow along with what Pat has got going on on a personal and professional level, you can check him out on Instagram at patcummins30, that's three zero. You can also head over to athletesvoice.com.au where Pat and a bunch of other athletes are giving you an authentic look into the articles they believe are worthy of an audience. I'd also implore you to check out The Test on Amazon Prime, a series Pat and I talked about, which is a behind-closed-doors look into the monumental rise for the Australian cricket team And it really does highlight and just show how much passion, dedication, determination this group of boys had to bring them out of the doldrums and back on top of cricket around the world. A huge congratulations to the boys, and they are only going from strength to strength. So keep an eye on the Australian cricket team. Get behind them this summer. And for me, I'll see you next week. Now, as a little bit extra for you guys, the MapLive family, the audience of the MapLive podcast, Myself and our sponsors have put together a prize pack. What that contains, well, some very, very exciting little goodies for you. All you need to do is subscribe and review the Map Live podcast on your iTunes or Spotify, and also follow the three of us on Instagram. Very simple, at MapLife, M-A-P-P underscore L-I-F-E, at Hybration Organics, and at Board Racks, that's B-O-A-R-D-R-A-X. Until next week, lots of love. Lots of fulfillment.
Today's episode was produced by Matt, building greater athletes, artists, and leaders. Begin the process of achieving your dream by visiting www.maplife.com.